Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome in the side. Welcome in sports. I'm your uh, man, Eric Wilson, filling in tonight for Jake Malik, who may be joining us a little bit later. But uh, we've got a lot to talk about tonight and we've got a very special guest. But before we get to all that, make sure you check make sure out um, Sideline Sports 1 on all social media, Twitter and also Instagram. And, of course, we all show love to our sponsors, Manscaped and also Score No Score. Download that Score No Score app, Manscaped. Check it out, the Lawnmower 4.0, trust me. Your balls will thank you. But let me get the guy in here, the man that holds the glue together and keeps us rolling. My man, John Shears, in the building. Good evening, sir. Hey, how's it going? Better than the Dolphins, huh? <laughs> Almost as good as my Eagles, but we'll talk about that, I'm sure, <laughs> at some point uh, over the course of the night. But um, we've got a very special guest joining us this evening. He is from the South Florida Tribune. He is a Motor City man, now Scott Morgan Roth. Scott, welcome to Sideline Sports. How are you? All right. Thank you very much for having me, guys. I'm glad to be here. Appreciate so your time. Yeah, tell us a little bit about uh, the South Florida Tribune and uh, a little bit about yourself. Tell our audience a little bit about yourself before we get into all this uh, dolphin stuff. No problem. I've been in the uh, sports media for the better part of 42 years. So uh, if you go, if you come back to 1979, that's when I first got my start in the business. I was a sports producer for... Uh, WXYZ Radio for Sports Talk, and then I ended up taking a uh, position for the Detroit Monitor, wrote for them for the better part of 40 years, and of course I managed to stay in the business working at numerous newspapers, having a lot of on-air gigs and so forth, so I've been pretty well-traveled. You know, I worked at Tampa Tribune, the Hollandale Digest, Detroit Monitor, and done numerous on-air things. It's been a great ride. I've really, really, truly enjoyed it. And now I started the South Florida Tribune a couple of years ago, which is an online publication. And we also have a broadcast division as well. So we do a podcast, both sports and non-sports related podcasts, as well as provide a lot of uh, great content, sports and non-sports related for our local as well as national following. So we feel it's important to have a good local and national following you know, because nowadays when you're dealing with the Internet, your your information goes out more people than most people think, unlike the regular terrestrial radio days where it's limited to a specific area. So um, talk to me. 
I just like calling you Motor City Madmouth. Talk to me about, you know, not only your love of sports, but how all, how all of this uh, really came about. Was the South Florida Tribune? Well, that's easy. Now, now everybody knows that newspapers are very much rapidly on the decline. And I thought this was a good opportunity for me since I don't have to go out there and have a big building uh, print things out to begin my own online publication. When you bring on writers, you don't have to worry about cutting their story to shreds just to accommodate the space. You know, when you have a lifelong passion in the business, then you certainly want to find a way to stay in it. And this turned out to be a perfect opportunity where, you know, ironically, one of my favorite employers was the Tampa Tribune. When I was uh, going there from 84 to 86, attending the University of South Florida, and I was just going to GoDaddy one time trying to look for domain names. So when I went out there and uh, asked GoDaddy, is South Florida Tribune available? They said, as a matter of fact, yes. Well, you know, I bounced on that because now I have a region in South Florida and uh, my favorite publication, the Tampa Tribune, and you combine the South Florida Tribune and it's how it really came up with the whole thing. So it kind of worked out. And now I've actually opened up a... Uh, have a domain name, the Motor City Tribune as well, because I am from the Metro Detroit area. It's really, really small right now, but it's certainly another leg for what we're doing. So, you know, the technology, it's like old school versus new school. Got to tell you a funny story recently. Well, I don't know how funny, but it's really a neat story. When I went out to Iowa and uh, did the Field of Dreams, everybody knows if you build it, they will come. So when you talk about old school versus new school, my old school approach being in this industry enabled us to put together a couple of videos in a Facebook Live. Say, hey, my name is Scott Morgan. I'm the publisher for the South Florida Tribune. I'd like to do a couple of interviews. And when we got the PR guy on for the Field of Dreams website, I was definitely more than happy. He followed us on a lot of the platforms. And, you know, so we were able to, it, it really worked out really well. I mean, when you think about, the Field of Dreams. I don't know about you guys. One of my favorite movies of all time. It's my favorite my... baseball movie. What's that? Down. It's my favorite baseball movie, hands down. So between between so that and Sandlot, it. it's my favorite baseball yeah. movie as well. Yeah. Come on, how are we not talking about Major League guys? Really? Oh, I, I, I didn't knock Major League. I'm just saying that I absolutely love Field of Dreams and Forty Two. The two well, favorite. Well, I got the opportunity for us to do a couple of recordings, and I wrote a story on it. Worked out well. Plus, it also works. You know, when we go out there and try to associate people, what kind of stuff have you done? Well, one of my top projects that I really took a lot of pride in was being able to work out a situation where they didn't charge me for tours. You know, they went, they were more than happy to oblige. And we ended up doing a couple things, plus a Facebook Live in the court field. It's just unbelievable. So, but my whole idea is when you can take old school versus new school and get creative and do things with it, that's really what it's all about because we have a lot more to work with than there was back in the day when I first got in the business. <laughs> that sounds so great. You're saying Amazing. you did the Facebook live in the cornfield. Um, just in love with that story. Like I want to be, I'm with you. Yeah. I want to be at one of those games when they do it again. I want to be there because like, that's just, I mean, that's just, that's as good as it gets. It was awesome. I mean, I got to be honest. Look, I, you guys know I'm a Yankees fan, and I watched that. And while the ending pained me to no avail, 
that was so. It was clear what was coming. That was so awesome, though. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I like. I didn't care if we won or lost as much as I was just. This is so cool. Like yep. we're watching baseball in a cornfield, and it just it felt like this is where it needs to be played. Yep. It's like you know, like like football. When we see football in the snow, it's like this is just how it was meant to be done. Like I know it's not always that way, but that's the way it's supposed to be. It was one of those moments I was like, this is just, this is how it's supposed to look like. Like they don't do it often, but this is what you're supposed to see when you're watching that game. And the was, only that way, awesome. the only way football is not supposed to be in the snow is if it's a conference championship in Miami for oh. the AFC title. That's the only way it's not supposed <laughs> to be in the snow. That's, that's the only way. Well, <laughs> always comes back to Miami with him. Believe it or not, we did this thing on Halloween, uh, uh, days. So I'm walking in there with my wife, Candy, and as loud as I am and animated as I am, not that you guys couldn't figure it out anyways, <laughs> I'm just crashing right out there. Hello, everybody. This is Scott Morgan Rob uh, with South Florida Tribune here live over at the Field of Dreams, and my hands are all over the place. I dare anybody to get near me or they'd have gotten whacked somewhere because I'm so animated as you can hardly tell. In fact, many years ago, when I was doing a radio show out in Arizona, they had like four of us over in the booth, and I, w- I had my own spot because I was so animated. The co-host stayed on the other side of the table because they were afraid I was going to do a little bit of an elbow job or somebody was going to get whacked with my hands. Not intentionally, but you know when you when you get out of roll, my goodness, you get out of cotton pick. Absolutely. And you know, I mean, it's just you know, remember uh, when John Madden would have that thing where. He uh, came out there and moved his hands all over the place and all that. That's what I felt like in that situation with the Field of Dreams. But, you know, having my own publication, to me, gives me the ability, whether you cover sporting events or you don't, it doesn't make any difference anymore. Because the problem that we have during COVID is access is so compromised, it really is. So now we are forced to live with a different situation with Zoom. But, you know, and that's what brings out your character, though, guys. It really, really does. Oh, uh, you want to talk about having a big, deep bag of tricks? You're really forced to do that. So, you, you know, improvise, call it what you want. But oh, I got plenty of other great ideas that hopefully I'll have all of y'all on at some point on my platform. I'm just so happy that you guys are giving me the opportunity to talk about it tonight. Of course. And Absolutely. whenever we no, always. Want me to come back. <laughs> appreciate it. Well, we're going to have you shameless plug on the sports arena tomorrow night as well. But um, I, I know we want to talk about, you know, the coaching hiring and firing, well, mostly firing that's been going on. So, you know, you are down there in Deerfield, closer to the Dolphins than John, the fan or me, the reporter are. So let's talk about them for a minute. Um, you know, Scott, were you, were you shocked and surprised by this? Because last night when we talked, John saw the writing on the wall. And I guess he was one of the few people who actually saw it. But can you just give us your thoughts on, you know, Brian Flores no longer being a Miami Dolphin head coach? Yeah. You know, I got to tell you, I'm kind of surprised that that firing a little bit. And I'll tell you why. Because there didn't seem to be any inclining uh, that anything could happen. Now, I want to go over some stats with you about the Miami Dolphins coaching uh, through the years. Okay. And you'll know where I'm going with this. The last coach that had a winning record with the Miami Dolphins was Dave Wonstadt from 2000 to 2004 when he was 43 and 33. The guy that drove Dan Marino out of out of uh, 
I said the guy that dri- drove Dan Marino out once once he came. Marino Jimmy was Johnson like, is the one. Nope. Yeah, nope. Jimmy. I'll never forget that Jimmy Johnson. Uh, probably Dan Marino is. He didn't mind running up some stats, but when Jimmy Johnson said I won with the Cowboys using a running attack and a passing, uh, Dandy Dan here didn't mind swinging the rock around. But when you look at the Dolphins, have only had in their illustrious history three coaches with winning records: Don Shula from 1970 to 95. We all know how well he did: 274, 147, yeah. and two. Jimmy Johnson was 38 and 31 from 96 to 99. And then you had Dave Wanstatt from 2000 to 2004, 43 and 33. The one that followed Wanstatt was Nick Saban. And then ever since then, they've changed coaches every few years. So well, Wanstatt was also coincidentally the last time they won a playoff game, too, because Lamar Miller ran about 40 times in a playoff game in Miami, and that was the last time they won a game in the playoffs. Right. Yeah, so I, I guess you could say I was a little bit stunned at the Brian Flores firing. But apparently there was so much instability with his coaching staff. You can't keep changing offensive coordinators all the time either. No. Otherwise, you're going to ruin a quarterback. And apparently the general manager and him were not on the same page. So when you put all those things together, that leads to uh, a change. And the Dolphins certainly made it. Now he's had two winning seasons in a row. So you can't argue with the fact that he's certainly doing the best he can that what he has to work with. Now, I know we're early in this process in terms of candidates, about who who should be and who shouldn't be. But I'll give you a, a couple little things, two guys that I think would be potentially good fits. Brian Dable of the Buffalo Bills I think would be a really good uh, hire. We all know that he worked with Tua Tagovailoa when he was at Alabama for a year. And the other name out there that I believe would be good would be Eric Bieniemy, who's long overdue. He really is. Eric Bieniemy, I have a strong feeling, will get hired during this coaching cycle. I really do. Now, everybody is talking about where Brian Flores could go. Well, there's only six openings right now. But watch this might happen or may not, depending on what happens in Houston. Let's just use a hypothetical, okay? that David Culley gets fired with Houston. Don't you think Brian Flores would be a good fit there knowing Nick Casario used to be with New England? And then, you know, those New England guys like to line up everywhere else. It was also reported that he, it was also reported that the only reason that uh, Deshaun Deshaun Watson Watson, was going to waive his trade, no trade clause for the Dolphins was because Brian Flores. So if that happens, I could see Deshaun Watson potentially coming back to Houston if if Brian Flores comes there because that's the only reason he wanted to be in Miami. And I believe that's the only reason Fuller wanted to be in Miami was because he thought Watson was going to end up there at some point, and it didn't happen. And I think Fuller just said, well, I'm good, and ended up just never playing again. Brian Flores won't go to Houston. I, I can tell you that right I'm now. I'm just Brian telling Flores you if it does. Not go. Mark, okay, you can mark it on the calendar right now. January 11th, 2022, at 8.45 p.m. on Sidelines Sports. Brian Flores is not going to Houston. They are going to seriously have to back up the dump truck and give him full control of that team in order for him to sign on the dotted line. With everything that has happened in Houston, we've seen the turmoil. We've seen the alleged allegations. 
We've just seen that entire organization get flipped upside down. You know it's bad if J.J. Watt is leaving the Houston Texans and apologizing to guys on his way out. Brian Flores, if Brian Flores goes to Houston, he needs to be drug tested. Well, you know one thing I'll say this, Eric, having been in the business for 40 years, 42 years, I've seen crazier things happen. Okay, you never know. I'm sure you have. I I have. I'm not going to say that it's definitely a good fit that he will go, but the only reason why I even connect the dots there, Eric, is because of Nick Casario being a Patriots guy. Other than that, I can definitely say that Ryan Flores would not go there, and there won't be any shortage of places that the guy can go. You know, think about it. He's interviewing with the Bears anyways. You never know if he'll end up with Minnesota, and you have the New York Giants job that just opened up. And you know, oh, we'll talk about that soon. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure we can imagine. So, and you know, I'm sure there's a, a couple that, that I'm leaving out, but those are the ones that stand out to me. So, you know, in, in the wonderful world of uh, coaching hires, as the carousel turns every year on Monday after the fact, you know, I'll go something that's really deeper that uh, is way before any of you guys were born. Okay. And I'm going to take you back to Detroit, Michigan, back in 1979. Now, I know you weren't born back then. No, I don't I was. I was you? three years old. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, get this, okay? I remember as a Detroit Lions fan back then, I wanted the Detroit Lions to take Chuck Knox, uh, assistant coach. He lands with the L.A. Rams. The Lions get Monty Clark. Bad move. We all know how well Knox did with the Rams, and we know that Monty Clark struggled in Detroit. So, you know, when you talk about things that could or should have happened, well, it is what it is. Yeah, so I'll say this about Flores. I I expected a lot of firings. Matt Nagy got fired. Mike Zimmer, I wasn't surprised. Joe Judge finally got fired today. All of those, to me, I saw them. I said, yeah, it all makes sense. I get it. Those were pretty much – the writing was literally on the wall – you may, you may as well have physically written it in marker, right? Everybody knew those were coming. Brian Flores, to me, it felt like out of left field because he he's a good coach. I, I don't I don't agree with some of the things he did last year, and, John, you know that. I didn't love the way he handled Tua. But with that said, that doesn't change the fact that he is a good coach. You can't take that away, that he is a solid coach in this league, and he definitely deserved at least another year and I, I think he should have gotten more, but you know, at least one more year, right? He's a great defensive mind, yeah. but he hasn't been able to take care of the offense. And as a head coach, yeah. we said yesterday on the sports room, as a head coach, you got to be able to take care of all three I, phases, and I, he's taking care of one out of three phases. I think part of that problem, though, he didn't want Tua from the beginning. And no, I he didn't. Part, no, he didn't. And that's, right. and that's why he got fired. Yep. I don't think any other reason. And he well, him and Tua. It apparently came out today that him and Tua got into a shouting match at halftime at the Tennessee game, and uh, they were yelling they, and swearing they, at each they other chose, in the locker they room. They chose Tua over Flores. It's I, I think it also Greer. That. Greer's been there for oh, over yeah. twenty years, and they won't get but, rid of that guy for but, whatever reason. But I say that because they chose to draft Tua despite the coach not wanting him, right? And now they chose to keep Tua despite the coach probably being the better choice if you're going to choose one over the other. I'm not saying that's a knock to it. I'm just saying I think Flores is a really good coach. He proved it to me. And I do think that if you gave him a different quarterback that he'd be happy with, this team would be just as good, if not better. 
I think Tua's got some growing pains to still go through, and I think they judged him a little too hard. The fact that he got you guys to that win streak that you had, things improved, things were getting better. I'm impressed. I I was impressed with what he did. But, so him getting fired was a was But like Scott said, you can't, as a head coach, as a new head coach especially, you can't have a rotation of coordinators. He's you can't a have a coach. He, he three years in that is new. You have a short that leash. That is not new. Three that, years is the lifespan of an average NFL quarterback. That is a short leash for a guy that hasn't proven himself, that has Are had instability. That has had, what do you he, mean? he hasn't. How many he coaches get one year in the NFL and they're one and done? How many coaches? I'm telling you that he has not proven himself. They haven't gone to the playoffs. They had a seven game losing streak and they were ready to fire him. And a seven game winning streak, John, which but, you raved about. But they were ready to fire him after they hit that seventh game in a row they lost. They were okay. ready to fire right, him so right there. He turns it there. around and Turn puts around. your team, your team, in a position I, I to potentially Ross, make the playoffs. I think Ross and made up his you mind. Don't see it. I think Ross made up his mind once he hit that seventh loss in a row. I don't think he ever changed his mind. I think he was dead set. And like I said before, what Ross no. wants is what Ross. I don't gets. think it has anything to do with that. So if you I made made but I think he had his mind made up. Would there, would there have been a change of mind? Huh? Yeah, I, I don't, I don't think so. If the Dolphins would have made the playoffs, I don't would there have so. been a change of mind? I think so. Not well, with. Want, here's my perspective on this whole thing. Number one, okay. Brian, the, a lot of people are really upset about the Brian Flores firing because they do feel he should have gotten another year, you know. And to me, uh, give, he's had two winning seasons in a row, something that hasn't been done in these parts for a while. But you cannot go ahead and have a you, general manager and coach not on the same page. You cannot do it. I don't care it, what right anybody there. says. You can't know, have the head coach. I mean, the quarterback and the head coach on that, a different page too. I'm, I'm you know telling what, you right now. You know what? The quarterback needs to figure himself out because I still got a lot. No, but to say I'm about telling you well, how okay. it works. I'm, I'm telling you this right now. The reason he was fired was nothing other than a power struggle between him and the GM, and the fact that he did not like the quarterback. Right. GM liked the quarterback. The coach didn't. So they made a clear. It was a clear choice. We either choose our coach and probably get rid of our GM and our quarterback, or we get rid of our coach. And we keep our GM, and we keep the quarterback that we seem to like. As think about it think was about that how simple. he. Think it was about a power struggle between those two guys. Between you really want to have the, this upper management. That's what Greer is to the Dolphins. Is what Howie Roseman is to the Eagles. They won't get rid of him for whatever reason. I don't know why, but they just stick with him no matter what. That's well, what. So they, that's okay, what, but in the Philadelphia situation, really quick, Scott, I apologize. In the Philadelphia situation, I'm sorry. Did not both the quarterback and the head coach leave? And they still kept Roseman, right? Okay. All right. No, no. Saying they won't you're get rid of him for whatever no, reason. Hold on. You're saying in Miami it was the GM and the quarterback, so the head coach had to go. It's a completely different situation in Philly because if Doug would have stayed or if Carson would have stayed and only Doug left, which did happen because we brought in – no, because Carson was gone too. They were both gone. Yeah, and they so still kept Howie. they're both gone, and Howie's still there. So we have a new coach. And we've got a second year, really first year, first year, yeah, quarterback yeah. in Jalen Hurts. Okay, so Howie stayed in Miami. Brian Flores turned that team around against all obstacles that were brought in front of him. He changed the dynamic of that team, including like a quarterback, the quarterback that he was selection. Not a fan of. Mind you, that. he did not like the quarterback selection from jump, but you know what? He realized he had to find a way to make it work, and he did as the seasons progressed. 
but Tua I'm, may not have liked Tua, may not have liked Brian, but they were winning. And what does winning do? Winning is the deodorant. Winning will mask all those other problems. But what the Dolphins but have the done. Fact that the, but the fact that your general manager decided to side with his quarterback, a guy who is injury prone, a guy who only in the last part of this season actually started to get his stuff together. So you're going to side with him when you can gladly go out there and go out with Sean Watson or Russell Wilson or somebody else because that's the missing piece in your team being successful. Brian Flores did this with all obstacles in front of him and still made your team relevant, John Shear. So the fact of the matter, in my opinion, and you will not change my mind on this, <laughs> Brian Flores set the Miami Dolphins up for success. The next coach that comes in there is going to profit but, and benefit. And I'm telling you this, if the Miami Dolphins next year make the say. playoffs, I am telling you right now, <laughs> it is the Brian Flores team. But what well, the Dolphins – go well, ahead, Scott. If you go there, then you might as well just bring on that analogy that Tony Dungy set everything up for John yep. Gruden. John Gruden. And, and, but, Mark but, Jackson did it for Steve Kerr. Jim Caldwell did it for whoever came in after Caldwell. I could go over the laundry list if you'd like me to. Well, here, let's take the narrative five hours north of I-95 where I was this past weekend with the Jacksonville Jaguars, you know, also in the coaching hunt here, okay? You've got Trent Baalke, who nobody can get along with. At least Jim Harbaugh couldn't. So then who do you bring in to that situation? Well, I mean, since we're talking about NFL coaches, the two that would make the most sense for me would be Jim Caldwell. You brought it up anyways, Eric, right? Very stable yep. guy. Yeah, everybody, everybody knows when he left the Lions, that organization uh, uh, Went was downhill. a ship. And then Doug Peterson has won a Super Bowl, and everybody's talking about Byron Leftwich. So when you put things in perspective about, and I think Byron Leftwich, if he doesn't get hired during this coaching cycle, will be the heir apparent to Bruce Arians Bruce Arians. in Tampa is what I think with Tom Brady there. So, But when you talk about the coaches and relationships that you have to have with your general manager, you guys have to be in sync. And if you're not in sync about what one person does and respect them from all levels, I didn't expect to go up to Jacksonville and see the Colts lose to the Jaguars. I didn't. But I'm going to tell you something. I mean, I could not believe that Jonathan Taylor, before my eyes of two or four, if you count the glasses, okay, would get 77 yards. I mean, it's unbelievable. Nope. Yeah, you know, some of us, you know, we got to have these. I mean, how many eyes we got down here? All the fact that Jake <laughs> yeah. only has two. I got, I got so, contacts in. Yeah. I'm, oh, I'm, a, I'm a glasses contacts. person, okay. too. Just, just wear my so contacts. We 16, we're all the we same way. pairs of eyes right here on sidelines. We're, we're all one exactly. the same. So, but what the reality is, is, you know, different strokes for different folks, depending on what your flavor is. If you're looking for a veteran situation, I definitely feel that Brian Flores is underappreciated here. He really Absolutely. was. There's no question about it. He laid out the groundwork for somebody else. If they don't screw up the hire, again, that's a very, that's a job here where, all right, you know what? We, we have Tua. Don't ruin him. I, I can tell you, you want to talk about a guy who many in the eyes would say would be a bust. Joey Harrington in the eyes was considered a bust too. But the problem is. You have a lot of instability on the coaching side. Marty yep. Morningwig oh, uh, started out with Steve Mariucci, couldn't fix him. And nope. you had a lot of offensive coordinators that subsequently followed. So where do you guys really take what a quarterback is in terms of a bust? Because of numbers or the coaching staff, the lack of a general manager, an offensive coordinator. Where do you go ahead 
and some rise because can Tua be a bust? I don't know. I, I don't think he will. I don't personally think that Tua is better than just a good quarterback. I really think that he's limited. But uh, don't you see opinion. like the Drew Brees type of accuracy? Because that's like well, Drew Brees oh, type yeah. of accuracy, right? Because yeah. Drew Brees yeah, isn't yeah. meant is wasn't. You're out of order. But he, he didn't have a big arm. You're out of order. He was an hey, John, accurate guy. Do me a favor, John. Don't right? say anything for two seconds. Just, just want to put this up again. Just, I'm sorry. I just like I, John. You know. You know how much I care. You are my boy. You know that. We are in this show, and I say this with love. You are absolutely insane. No, Certified but like, but so like I when just, you look at I just needed Brees. to say we don't condone anything you're about to say. This is your thoughts and opinions. That does not represent myself, Eric, or JB. That is John and John alone. Look, when you look at Drew Brees and what Drew Brees was in San Diego, he was injury prone, right? Everybody labeled him injury prone. Everybody wrote him off. He was supposed to go to the Dolphins. He's very Dolphins. They wrote him off too. So what did they do? They went and got Dante Culpepper. The Saints took a chance on Drew Brees. Drew Brees was never a big arm guy. He was always an accurate guy. Short, like Tua, right? Same thing, where it's that elite accuracy is what made Drew Brees great. It wasn't his big arm. It was that he was able to have pinpoint accuracy. And that's what I see potentially in Tua is the pinpoint accuracy. You don't have to have a big arm. Tom Brady was a dink and dunk guy for a lot of New England. Yeah, he was able to make big throws, but Tom Brady, he had a lot of dink and dunk. Like, there's nothing wrong with being able to throw short to intermediate passes and be successful in the NFL. You don't have to be Justin Herbert. Lamar Jackson's not Justin Herbert. Like, you could be a different quarterback than Justin Herbert or a guy like that and succeed. That's the thing that people don't get about, too, is he's not Justin Herbert, and that's okay. He's a, He's an accurate guy. And that's a good thing. You want accuracy. He's not going to make the Patrick Mahomes type of throws, but he's going to make those Drew Brees type of throws where it's precision, where he kills you by death by a paper thousand cuts. He kills you like that. And if you give him an offensive line, I think he can do something like that. I don't know what kind of mind he has. Drew Brees had an amazing football mind. I'm not sure what to his mind is. I don't know personally. I haven't seen him enough to say what exactly what kind of mind he has football wise, but just accuracy wise, it reminds me of potentially of the Drew Brees type of accuracy. Everybody wrote him off because he was hurt injury prone too. And look how he turned out. So don't necessarily kill a guy who's had a little more than a year's worth of starts and had the worst offensive line you could possibly ever have. John, this is not homerism. I will say this to John's point. I, I was curious because I, I don't watch Tua often. I, I admit that. But, John, you'll be happy to know this actually helps you. Tua does have so far a career 66% completion percentage. Now, I'm not saying. But that's his game. That's what his game is. Hold, accuracy, I, yeah. hold on. All I'm saying is that John may have some, some slight credibility to say that Tua is a relatively accurate quarterback. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. I'm not saying. I'm not agreeing with the Drew no, Brees stuff. I'm just that's telling a little you, I'm just that's telling a little you bit that, but hold on. that but, that's his game. That's but, what it is. It's not just I do Herbert. give Tua some credit that he's been a relatively accurate quarterback. That's all I'm saying. I think the Drew Brees stuff is way too far. I think that's a little bit. No, I said potential. I, like I know, that type of accuracy. But right? I'm just saying I, I understand that he's an accurate quarterback for the yeah. most part. I will give him that. That much I will give him. 
but that is all I will give him. Yeah, that but is absolutely it. But I'll tell you right now, I'm not saying two is a bad quarterback. Yes. I'm saying he's a good quarterback. G O O D. Okay. You give a guy, okay, a suitable running game, that's fine. But I still think he's a little bit limited in some areas because you do need that vertical passing to be able to have a big play every now and then. But he did make throws like that this year. Yeah, but you know, it's just he has a lot of drop. There's a lot of drops in the that receiving core. Well, again, you know, you're going to have drops in every team. I don't care who you are, but his durability issues are could make or break the guy. You want, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick to me, what played pretty well the you know last year, not this past year, and they needed him in there because you knew you can stretch the defense. I don't think Tua can stretch a defense. Well, that was also Chan Gailey's offense, and Chan Gailey didn't want Tua. Or, okay, but then again, there you go. But you, yeah. you, what you're doing, John, is no, I'm you're just telling you what the facts. Like, Chan Gailey did not want Tua. His offense was predicated on Ryan Fitzpatrick, not Tua. Okay, but so, again, right? Chan Gailey didn't want him. But the uh, uh, Brian Flores didn't want him. The instability I mean, with the offensive coordinator. I'm sorry, Eric. The no, offensive right coordinator ahead, and the head coach obviously present you. This guy don't want this guy. This guy don't want that yep. guy. And all of a sudden, you know, you don't know who you don't know who wants what. And yep. and that's where they you know, where, where you could wreck a quarterback in a franchise where you all need to need to be on the same page. Again, I'm not I'm not going to give two of the bust uh, characterization yet. Maybe two that. or three years from now I might, depending on whether he lives up to expectations. But you got to remember, you know, you had a chance at Justin Herbert, and he went sixth. Hello, I think exactly. the guy's really good. Okay, and you know who won him, don't you? Brian Flores. I guarantee yeah. you, he yes, did. He right. did. Mm, he did. Let's get that Herbert kid. And you he know did. what? Herbert is on a better situation, I believe. I think he's got a better team in front of him. But with that said, I just think he's got a better raw talent, and I, and that's one of those times where I said Flores, he would have been right. But again, it was that power struggle that we go back to that caused the rift that we saw and the reason for the firing. It all goes back to that. And it's it's just how sports go sometimes. And that's it's a sad part of it. It's a business. And if you are below a certain person, sometimes you just your say doesn't get counted as much. And that's just the way it is, no matter so, what. Well, think of the quarterbacks you have in the playoffs this year. You got Joe Burrow, okay, got hurt last year. This kid's a stud. He really is. You got coach. Yep. Zach Taylor, Joe Burrow, then again, doesn't hurt. You have Jamar Chase, then you also have Joe Mixon, and you got a pretty good team out in Cincinnati. It took Derek Carr uh, forever to get in the playoffs, but the guy, I would love to have him on the team, and the beat goes on and on. And no matter how we try to slice this pie all day long, you need to have cohesiveness in the key places. And, and like you said, Eric, okay, you know, when one coach doesn't want the uh, player, you know, and again, look at the history of the coaches. The Dolphins can't keep coaches longer than three years, anyways. No, Why? Just, and, and take it down to another level. Bill Parcells worked under Wayne Heisinga when Stephen Ross bought the franchise. Gosh. He got out. He didn't want to work with Ross. He must have known something about him and said, you know what? There was a clause in my contract. I'm leaving uh, Wayne Heisinga and Stephen Ross there. I know enough about Stephen Ross, so I don't want to say here that uh, I'm going to criticize one thing or the other. But Bill Parcells isn't stupid. He really no, isn't. No, 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 not at all. 
And yet Tony Sperano winning playoff games, you know, there was some pretty dark times. But when an organization can't keep a coach longer than three years consistently, you really have to, it makes you wonder a little bit. So Jake, you're absolutely right. So Jake, you wanted to, uh, you wanted to talk about your Giants. Oh, and we did. talked a lot about the Dolphins. So I want to, I wanted to give you the floor because you, um, uh, you had said I, I, I made this. <laughs> I copied and I made this for myself because I have plenty to say. However, with that said, I need to make sure everybody also knows, you just like I always floor, do for sir. John, just like I do for John. His words are his, my words are mine. What I say are only my thoughts. Guys, I have never been so happy about the New York Football Giants. Oh, this is this was like heaven. I wish JB this, was here. To, this to past weekend could not have been better for the Giants because look, I remember when we fired Jerry Reese, and I was oh, I praised. I was so happy because I was like, we got rid of the bad, you know, one of the bad guys. One of the guys has not fixed the Giants, and then we brought in Dave Gettleman, and I thought, you know what? It's a fresh start. Give him a chance. Maybe he'll do things right. And now here we are a couple of years later. And all I could say is I am so glad he's gone because he might be just as bad, if not worse than what Jerry Reese was. I, you have no idea how elated I was to get rid of him. And then Joe judge with no offense to him. He inherited a bad situation, but he did not do things right. And I will talk about him in a minute, but I will start with Dave Gettleman. Look, I understand Saquon Barkley was a generational talent, and a lot of people felt that way. Oh, there's JB. A lot I'm, of so, people... I'm sorry. You were talking about the Giants. I was listening in. <laughs> I'm in the car driving back. Oh, I've never been so happy. I was so disappointed I, yesterday. I, I Trust me. So, I, I, look, J- Saquon Barkley, generational talent. I, I, I understand you don't want to pass up on it. I, I excuse that pick for the moment while I say this. But this year and years past, you know, I, I'll use Saquon's draft and this year as my two – actually, even last year. I'll use those three as the perfect examples. So let's say you still take Saquon and you let Quentin Nelson go. The Colts get him. Fine. But last year, you take Andrew Thomas. Okay, who else could we have had? Tristan Wirfs. You guys know off the top of your head how many sacks Tristan Wirfs let up last year? That's right. One. Zero. He didn't let up oh, any. I believe I believe it was the regular season was zero. Maybe in the playoffs. Oh, okay. The, all right. Even if, it, even if it was one, even if I'm wrong and it's one, who cares? One sack is unbelievable. He's all pro. Yeah, he's he's all pro so incredible for a rookie. He wasn't a 10-year pro. He's a rookie. It was unbelievable. And all I thought was we could have had him. And then this year, okay, we drafted Kadarius Tony. Look. No offense to this guy. He is a solid athlete. Okay. It's not personal. But what was that pick? Okay. I look at the Chargers. Who'd they get? Rashawn Slater. I guarantee you we could have got him if we tried. I believe. You could have had Micah Parsons. Could have had that too. <laughs> I would have been happy with that one. Let me just say that. I would have been happy with him at the Giants rather than where he is but, currently. But I'm just stationed. thinking offensive line, right? Offensive line is a huge issue. Those are now three guys. That we let go. And fine, you get Saquon, so you skip Quentin Nelson, and I accept that. But those are two guys that are incredible players. At Creed Humphreys, a center that I believe – I know he was picked after. We could we could have had him too. There are a multitude of offensive linemen we could have had. Why didn't we get them? Because 
Dave Gettleman had such a big ego that he thought, I got to get the, 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 the flashy guys. And all I could think was, no, we hired you to do exactly the opposite because Jerry Reese did the same stupid stuff. He wouldn't go for the right guys. And that's not to mention Dave Gettleman drafted Daniel Jones. He was like a second or third round pick, not a Way first too round early. pick. I mean, makes my head want to explode. I mean, come on. So I could not be happier. He is gone. Look, I understand he may have thought those were the right things, but the average fan could have figured out that was wrong, dude. I mean, come on. And then Joe Judge and then JB, I, I want to hear what you have to say, but I just want to say this. Look, I understand he was inheriting a bad situation. That's fine. And I was not ready to get him fired until what I saw this weekend, this last week in week 18, what I saw was the worst play a coach could have called. I was so disgusted that I saw the play and said immediately, the man needs to be fired because that is unacceptable. Yeah, I believe it was a third and nine. It was third and eight, third and nine. Third and nine. Called, yep. third, third, caused a QB sneak from his own what? Like he was within his own 20, I believe. The four point. yard line. Okay. There you go. So he was within his own 10-yard line. And it, was, own five. And it, was fact, it was second and third down, two plays in a row. Okay. Even worse. I admit I wasn't watching the game this weekend. I was on a vacation. But with that said, I, I know I saw the replays. I know what happened. So thank you for the correction, JB. How do you call that? I, I Look, I, I, I get you want to get yards for the punt probably. You know you're not going anywhere. If you run it with Saquon Barkley for those plays – I may not like it, but I appreciate you're trying to make an effort to, to, to gain yards. A QB sneak is you know not going to get you more than what, two yards if you're lucky? You know you're not getting close to a first down. What are you thinking? And for me, I saw it. I said, he needs to go. He absolutely needs to go. Along with the fact that, of course, we're talking about the fact that we're going to bring a new GM in. You want to get the GM. You want him to come in and have his own staff. I, I respect that. I appreciate that. I'm cool with that. But when Joe Judge called that play, that was when I said he needs to be fired. If he doesn't make that stupid play call, I, I could understand him being brought for one more week, uh, one more year, rather, excuse me. And I wouldn't be totally upset. I may not nope. love it, but I'd accept it. But when you make a cowardly call like that, I don't care what the situation is. That says to me, I am giving up. I'm done. I don't care. And that's not the kind of coach you want on any team. And this is my team. And I admit, I love my team. The last thing I want is a coach that's going to give up. That's why I love Tom Coughlin. I know JV was never a fan. You know, and I understand that. And he's entitled to that opinion. I love Coughlin. The, but the one thing I always appreciated about Coughlin, he did not give up. He may not have always been the best coach. He, may he have held his perfect, players accountable, that's for sure. Exactly. He was he was the loudest voice in the room. He was not afraid to do what he had to do, and I at least appreciated that. I understand he wasn't a perfect coach, but you know what? He held his players accountable, and he did what he had to do. He wasn't afraid to go out and do things. Joe Judge was completely <clears throat> the opposite this weekend, and to me, I was disgusted. So I, for me, that's why I said he needed to go. And I, I, I couldn't be happier after seeing that. If that didn't happen, I'm not calling for his head. I saw that. I was waiting for him to get fired. There was no way that you could respectably keep him around. And I'm glad they didn't. 
Well, you know, Jake, Dave Gellman didn't do you any favors when you go out there and bring in Kenny Galladay either, who couldn't right. stay in the field, and some of those overpriced free agents that you had as well. So, and, and you know, the Detroit Lions figure you gave us their Christmas gift when you decided to overpay them anyway. <laughs> so, uh, uh, yeah, we're taking them off our hands. But he didn't see a whole lot of. Uh, I don't. I think he underproduced for what his contract is. Oh, oh he had zero absolutely. touchdowns. There's oh. linemen that had more touchdowns. Right. Yeah, right. The, so defense, you... the defense regressed. The coach, they got rid of Garrett, and the offense got worse. You got a coach that lost his team. That's the only thing I can say, having gone to Chicago the week before, and the game was over within the first 15 seconds, 30 seconds of the game, they were down two touchdowns, you know. And then running back-to-back quarterback sneaks from the four-yard line when you can run a, a draw, you can run a screen pass, you can try and throw the ball. I mean, you got to play to win the game. You know, I, listen, I'm not a fan of Tom Coughlin. Jake already told you that. But the last three coaches we've had in this position weren't even able to hold Tom Coughlin's jock. They've been horrible. <laughs> I mean, this, listen, I've gone through a period the last five years. Come December 1st, I'm looking for what team I'm going to root for the rest of the year. Because being a giant <laughs> fan – there's nothing positive to look. This is like being a Jet fan. I mean, I, we understand that frustration. I think we're kind of symbiotic right now. A little bit, yeah. Well, JV, it's not that easy if you're a Detroit Lions guy either, just so you know. In fact, <laughs> let me give you a little piece of trivia, okay, being from that area. The last time the Lions won a championship was on December 29, 1957. Okay, and I got to tell you a, a very interesting thing about December 29th. Happens to be my birthday, but I was in night, December 29th, 1962. So if anybody needs to be a math major here, that the Lions won a championship on my birthday five years before I was born, I didn't go ahead and pass a college math uh, class to know that it didn't take much to come up with five years for a title. So if you folks in New York think you got it bad, it's going to be a whole heck of a lot worse than Detroit. That's now, only, now only if now only if we could have the Giants do well and then just have the Yankees be in the same position the Giants are in. That'll that would happen. be fantastic. No, you could just trade them, would... switch them. I would love no. that. I would be so Listen, happy. Just yeah, because you're an Orioles. Down to nothingness. You're an Orioles fan, and you just want us to be bad in the division that you're in. Yeah, that's I what know. I want. It's all I want gonna... for Christmas. We're not going to no, win anything no, the way this team set up anyway, the Yankees, so don't worry about it. <laughs> and that's coming from a Yankee fan. He's right. He's right. But so, that's, yeah. They're a non-factor. Right. Gentlemen, we got about 15 minutes here left, and I definitely would like to get Scott, the Motor City Mad mad Mouth. I want to get your thoughts on the only Florida team that is actually in the playoffs this weekend, and that would be the reigning champ, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, my team, the Philadelphia Eagles, are the, as some people are calling us, we are the uh, – extra bye week for Tampa because there are some people who feel that we're going to come down here and not make a statement. Now I will give you the objective opinion because this is sideline sports. If you want to hear the real opinion, make sure you stay tuned for tomorrow night on the sports arena. But what I will say to you is this, our defense over the last six weeks has gotten better. We have held teams to under 20 points. And I feel as though If there's one thing that Tom Brady fears, I think it is fear that either Fletcher Cox, Javon Hargrave, or someone on our defense, maybe Alex Singleton, 
might actually get through Tristan Worse in that offensive line and might actually get to Brady. That being said, Jalen Hurts is in a position he's never been in. Dallas Goddard's in a position he's never been in. My wide receivers, Devontae Smith, Quez Watkins, Greg Ward Jr., not in a position that we've been in. But we are 2-2 two and two when it comes to playing Tampa. That's including postseason. So I am very interested to see how this plays. But I'd like to hear from Scott on this one. Well, I'll tell you two things that describe the Philadelphia Eagles situation. Two words. Ready? House yep. money. House money. Nobody expects them to do anything. Do you think anybody really expected this team to even make the tournament this year? Nobody did. And if you really want uh, gifts to be handed down, what about that trade for Carson Wentz? Okay, that went to Indianapolis. So it allowed you to move up to three spots, I believe, to get Devontae Smith. Hello, Dolly. Okay, it's so nice to not be with you, Carson Wentz, because we got ourselves that thing called a wide receiver. Okay, so I think if the Tampa Bay Buccaneers underestimate this Philadelphia Eagles team, they're going to be in trouble. And it's not like Tampa Bay Bucks are loaded either, okay? Antonio Brown went off the deep end. They've got a bunch of injuries. Okay, so I think the one guy who could be a real big factor in this thing for Tampa, now that he has a little time, is watch her Le'Veon Bell. If you can get him involved as a receiver, as well as get some adequate carries since Leonard Fournette is out, then he could be a name who's uh, is called a lot. Godwin, I believe, uh, or is it Mike Evans that's uh, playing, right? He needs to have a big Mike Evans is playing Chris Godwin. Of course, we all know Rob Gronkowski. But if I were the Tampa Bay Bucs, don't sell this Philadelphia Eagles team short. If you do, you might find yourself uh, in a situation where once upon a time, the Seattle Supersonics once underestimated the Denver Nuggets. And how did that turn out, NBA fans? Not too good. You had the one versus eight matchup, and the Kenby Mutombo was happy as you know what. And the Seattle Supersonics, well, they're a footnote for the one versus eight team. So, David Goliath, I don't know. I'm not even going to venture into the Tom Brady MVP situation because it's arbitrary whether you feel that Rodgers deserves it or Brady. Brady's done a really, really good job there. But I'll tell you what, Jalen Hurts. It's proved a lot of people wrong that he's been able to uh, solidify that quarterback position. And you know what? What was he drafted in the second round, I believe? It's just a, yes. a backup to to uh, Carson Wentz. Well, yeah, Carson was worried about a little bit of competition. It just so happens that you have a very athletic quarterback that played with Alabama. And he also played with Oklahoma and did pretty well. I actually thought the pick of Jalen Hurts, I commended the Eagles for making it in the first place. So, But don't underestimate Nick Sirianni as a coach. I think this, believe it or not, this game with the Eagles and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers is going to be closer than most people think. I really, really, really do. Whether it's because Tampa's hit with a lot of injuries or whether Philadelphia can go down to Tampa and just be loose, it doesn't make any difference. Because the longer the Philadelphia Eagles stay in this football game, the more confidence they have, especially when you get to those final 15 minutes or so, any, it's anything's possible. And it's not going to be 137 degrees out here. You know, it's not going to be like, you know, the heat index is going to be 190 and you got people in the stands with heat exhaustion. So, no, this is going to be a great game. I'm, I'm excited to see what happens. Of course, 
you know, I never cheer against my team. There are two teams I cheer for every Sunday. That is Philadelphia and whoever's playing Dallas. <laughs> that is me. Well, it'll be a better game than most people think it is. If, you, if you're going out there to pencil in a route, okay, I wouldn't do it on this game. Listen, guys, I just witnessed the Jacksonville Jaguars beat the Colts over the weekend. And when I took that five-hour drive, I thought, no way, shape, or form. I was looking for the Jonathan Taylor show. Well, I don't think 77 yards and Carson Wentz having one of his worst performances, you know, as we talk about the whole connection between Indianapolis and Philadelphia, you know, all that situation looked like is that Philadelphia made the right move going to Indianapolis, sending him there, and he can perform in Indianapolis with a coach he's all too familiar with. So, I don't know. I think this is going to be a much better game than most people think, Eric, and the rest of you guys. I really do. I wouldn't, if, if, if there's an upset there, it's possible. And when you look at the track record of how many road teams win on uh, when, you never know. Because I, I think that uh, once uh, you're playing ball, then it, you can take the attendance out in some way, shape, or form, too. And just just so you know, Carson, or Carson Wentz, Jalen Hurts had the fifth most drops amongst his receivers this year out of anybody in the NFL. So if not for the fifth most drops, his stats probably are a lot better than what they actually are. So Tua had the first, was number one in drops, by the way. So. Oh, that's why I brought it up. Wait, well, when you go into yet, next year's is... draft, I'm sorry, when you go into next year's draft, I believe that Philadelphia has some draft capital coming Oh, yeah, sure because courtesy of us. Yeah. Right, so they can go ahead and address the wide receiver's position to make uh, things even better for Jalen uh-huh. Hurts. JB? Eric, quick question for you as the Philly guy. Why is the perception of Jalen Hurts so negative? Like, they're trying to run about a town. I, I think you guys had a phenomenal year. Well, because, you know, to, to piggyback off what Scott was saying, we're playing with house money right now. The expectation, the bar was set extremely low for the success of Jalen Hurts because – we were unsure of what he was capable of. Now, listen, when you play four games in your rookie season and don't really have much tape on an individual, we were unsure of what to look at. It doesn't matter as a Philly, as a fan, not as a you know media person, as a true fan, okay? We need to see the production on the field. And you know Philly just as well as Jake does and anybody else does. You got about three games maybe four, for you to show us who you are and what you're capable of. Because it's going to be a long road to hoe to bring yourself back into our good graces if you start one and three. That's what we do. That's just who we are. You have to go through the mud and earn your stripes if you are a Philadelphia athlete. But if you go out there week in and week out and you hard nose grind it from start to finish and you give us 110% each and every week, win, lose, or draw, then you've earned our respect and you've earned our love and we will support you. But see, you can't be this rookie coming in and because you have one good game against the New Orleans Saints, but then you can't win against divisional opponents. I don't care about all the, the distractions on the front end or the back end. I want to see, do you have the adversity? Do you have the tenacity? Do you have the grit? Do you have that dog mentality to get the job done? Now, listen, things aren't always going to fall the way you want them to fall. And we understand that. But just because you beat Drew Brees and the Saints one time does not give you the right to be sticking out your tongue thinking that you got everything figured out. Bruh, 
you still wet behind the ears and get need to get a diaper changed. Okay. <laughs> Instead of throwing snowballs at Stan and we'll go dirty diapers at you. Now, this is the Philly fan coming out in me. I'm just letting y'all know because this is the playoffs. I say all of that, JB, to say he has shown promise. He has shown that he has durability. He has shown that he has capability. Do something. Yes, sir. Thank you. Yes, I can say that for you. Yep. Do something this weekend, this Sunday down here in Tampa. Play the full 60 minutes. Okay, no matter the outcome, play like your life depends on it. And I guarantee you, minds might begin to change. Your words were so powerful, we lost JB. He'll be back in a moment, I'm sure. But that's that's how I feel. I know we got about five minutes left. Um, Not even. Because we got to wrap up, too. Yeah. Yes, we do. No Scott, worries. Thank you so much for being a part of this, man. We really appreciate it. We look forward to seeing you tomorrow on the sports arena. We're going to keep this conversation going. And we're going to talk about more of the games and really break down the playoffs. Well, guys, thank you very much for having me. I really enjoyed my time with all you guys. You're all a class act, and it's really great to be able to uh, go ahead and uh, talk sports with you. Thank, Thank you. you, Scott. Thank you, sir. Well, we'll stick it. around, stick around, and then uh, we'll talk to you after the show. Uh, do you want? By the way, before you go, uh, do you again want to tell the people uh, where they, who you are, where they can find you? Sure, absolutely. Uh, okay, you can. Okay, you. If you want to follow me at Twitter, feel free to do so. Uh, Tribune South. That's T R I B U N E South. Uh, follow me there. Our website is www.southfordertribune.com. That's the online publication. And for those of you that want to go ahead and subscribe to the South Florida Tribune YouTube channel, just go to youtube.com and look for South Florida Tribune. And uh, then you can see a lot of the co- content that I bring as well. And hopefully down the road, I'll bring you on as a guest from time to time there. So those are a few of the things as well. So thanks for having me. You guys are phenomenal. I had a blast. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it, Scott. All righty. So I guess that's going to do it for us here. Any final word? Any final before we get out of here? Yeah, let's go around the horn. Eric, you want to tell them where they can find you? Well, I've been preaching it all night. So <laughs> shameless plug again. Sports Arena, Mondays and Wednesday nights, 10 p.m. Eastern. Well, my man, John Shear. Jake's been on there a couple times. JB's been on there once or twice. Uh, you know, we just finished up season two of Alex Fleming's NFL Carousel, which is Thursday nights at 7 p.m. Um, you know, I cover the Chicago sky and, and, you know, hey, fly Eagles fly. Let's see what happens on Sunday. Oh, and my Twitter handle right there at EC Wilson 76. John. Yeah. Uh, Fox Sports 1340 AM. I freelance with them. So I write for them. Uh, Inscriber magazine. We write. We have our own sideline sports section on there. So you can find us on there. Sports Arena Monday and Wednesday nights. 10 Eastern time, like Eric said. Alex Fleming's NFL carousel during the NFL regular season, season three. Check that out next year. And, uh, I mean, sideline sports, of course. I mean, we have an assortment of shows. Obviously, you know our Tuesday night show, 8.30. DBNA television every morning, 4 a.m. You can find us on there, 4 a.m. DBNA television. That's very important. Make sure you check out. Huh? I thought it was 1 a.m. 4 a.m. for now. 4 a.m. And make sure you guys, again, check out Score No Score. Very important that you do. That's a new app. It's an innovative sports app that nobody's done. Nobody has anything like 
I was just playing the other night. Score has. So you want to check them out. It's absolutely phenomenal. It's fun. It doesn't cost you anything unless you want to buy some coins. Um, if you, if you bet out your coins, yeah, they give you coins to start out. And if you run out, you can buy more for, I think it's 99 cents. It's very cheap. Um, so it's a lot of fun. Check them out and check out manscaped code SSN. John, can you do me a real quick favor while I uh, start plugging my stuff? Can you take your headphones off and let your hair down? Cause I got to see something here. Cause it's <laughs> okay. <laughs> I just wanted to make fun of that. Um, <laughs> I wanted to see how long it had gotten because I got to tell you when you slick it back with the headphones on, you're giving me a little bit of an Aaron Rodgers vibe with the beard and the goatee. And the hair. I'm trying. I got I, the long hair back here. I got the long yeah, hair let me, back. Let me, hey, John, let, let, let me see the let me see the injured toe, John. Show us huh? the injured toe, John. <laughs> I got the injured hey, John, toe. Are, are you vaccinated? I am immunized. Oh, smart answer, John. I had to do it. I was looking at you all episodes. You got me last week with the Joe Burrow thing. <laughs> I got you this week with Aaron Rodgers. I'm looking at you. I, go, I really wish he really Joe looks would like have responded it. to you. I really wanted him to. No. Uh, that's, anyway, you guys can find me uh, on Instagram and Twitter and all that at Jake underscore Malik. But more importantly, uh, Sideline Sports, you can find it on a lot of places. We got our YouTube. We got Facebook. Uh, all of those are just Sideline Sports. Our Instagram and Twitter, as you see on the bottom of the screen, Sideline Sport 1. Uh, we are on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. You name it, we're there. Uh, D-Band Television, like John said, uh, we're everywhere. It's score, no score. You name it, we're there. Anything else, gentlemen, before we wrap this up? No, I'm excited for the playoffs, huh? I can't wait. I am Can't too. wait. Can't wait. All right. Well, then, uh, everybody, have a good one. We'll see you next time. Hi, I'm Mark. And I'm Peter. We're the founders of Electrocast Media, bringing you great podcasts like Nightmare Road Stories, Tech Talk Revolution, and Bodacious Minds. Electrocast Networks include Ruby for Female Empowerment, The Best Business Network, and GPN for Geopolitics. We built this company to create community and amplify diverse voices, and we really appreciate your support. So, keep listening to Electrocast Podcasts and hear the culture. Introducing the Deep Leadership Podcast. Leadership is a people business. That's the philosophy of your podcast host, John Rennie. As a former submarine officer who spent 22 years leading businesses in corporate America before starting his own manufacturing business, he knows that leadership matters. Leadership matters. Deep leadership is real-world, actionable leadership advice from John and his expert guests. Become a leader worth following. Subscribe today. Electric acid.